Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 9, Gospel of John in chapter 9. Seeing is believing. Have you ever said that? Seeing is believing. Maybe you've said, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. But in the passage before us this morning, it's evident that there can be a great deal of difference between seeing and actually believing. In fact, seeing isn't always believing. So what's the difference between seeing and believing? We're going to see just that here in John chapter 9, where we find the account of the man born blind, to whom Jesus had given sight he had never had before, And I want you to follow along, beginning at verse 35, John chapter 9, to the end of the chapter, John 9 and verse 35. Follow along in your Bible as I read. John 9 and verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Verse 36, he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. Now just prior where we began reading just prior to this interaction. This man that Jesus is speaking to, Jesus had miraculously given him his sight. This man had been called before the Pharisees. They wanted to question him whether he was really the man born blind about how he'd received his sight, about who had healed him. They had questions. They wanted answers. The problem was the answers the blind man, the once blind man, now seeing man, gave them, the Pharisees refused to believe. They refused to believe the man and threw him out of the synagogue. That's what we see at the beginning of our passage this morning. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. They had thrown him out of the synagogue. Being expelled from the synagogue was not a small thing. It would be like if this week you lost your driver's license and your passport and your credit cards and your bank account 
No small thing. Birth certificate, all those things, gone. If you, you couldn't find them, they're, they're nowhere to be had, and, and it was time to do business, and, and you needed something to prove who you were. Being removed from the synagogue was being removed from all business, all social life, all spiritual life, all religious life. But verse 35 says that Jesus heard about this and this wonderful truth. Jesus went and found him. Jesus heard about this man and his being thrown out of the synagogue, and he went and found him. That in itself is incredible, I think. Jesus took great compassion on this man, compassion where others failed to give it. This man had stood up to the Pharisees. He had paid the price. He'd been cast out of the synagogue. He was paying the price for just knowing Jesus. The man, Jesus. But I want you to note, by the question Jesus poses, we can see he doesn't yet know Jesus as Savior and Lord. He knows the man, Jesus. Look at verse 35 again, and the question Jesus asks him. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? It's a simple Yet profound question, do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus was asking, do you believe in me? Do you believe in the Christ? What a wonderful question. You know, if you really want to get an interesting conversation started... (laughs) This is a great question to ask to start a conversation with a friend. Are you a believer in Jesus? Are you a believer? Do you believe? That's the question Jesus was asking this man. What we see next is where we learn the difference between seeing and genuinely believing. And we're going to see that this man is now gaining something far greater than physical sight. He's gaining spiritual sight. And here's the difference between spiritual sight and spiritual blindness. The first sign of spiritual sight, of truly believing in Jesus, is a desire to know the truth about Jesus. Look at verse 36. He answered the blind man, once blind man, now seeing man. I need to quit calling him the blind man, don't I? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Get this. He doesn't just want to know more. He wants to know and he wants to believe the truth. This is likely the first time he's actually seen Jesus with his eyes. He'd been with Jesus when he was blind, when Jesus had made mud and put it on his eyes and told him to go wash in a pool of of Siloam. But now he's seeing Jesus probably for the first time. He had recognized his voice, of course, but before this miracle of sight, he'd not seen him So he says, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? 
Who is he? And a note, note here, he calls Jesus sir, not, not Lord. Uh, some translations, a few translations have it as Lord, but, but most modern translations, I think, correctly, correctly interpret this from the original as sir instead of Lord here. I don't think it's appropriate to have him calling Jesus Lord here. He calls him sir. Look at verse 37. Jesus said to him, you have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. Now this has to be an incredible revelation to this man. He's gone from begging. Isn't this the one people said about the man who was now seeing? Isn't this the one who always used to beg? He'd gone from begging to physically seeing and then being thrown out of the synagogue, and now, what a roller coaster. It couldn't get better than to hear Jesus say, and to hear Jesus say, and to see Jesus say, I'm him. I'm him. You've seen him. You're seeing him right now. And it is he who is speaking to you. I'm him. I'm the man. It would have been great to see that guy's face, wouldn't it? His jaw drop, his look of surprise. Now look at verse 38, and here's the second sign of spiritual sight, of genuinely, genuinely believing. The first was, was a desire to know the truth about Jesus. Here's the second sign of spiritual sight, of genuinely believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's recognition of Jesus as the Christ, the Savior. Recognition. Look at just the first few words of verse 38. He said, Lord. He said, Lord. He calls Jesus Lord. Remember earlier, it's more likely that verse 36, he's calling Jesus Sir. Since he didn't yet know him as the Christ, here he calls Jesus Lord. And that's very appropriate because note that here in verse 38, there's a third indicator of spiritual sight. First, there's a desire to know the truth about Jesus, and then a recognition of Jesus as the Christ, the Savior. And then thirdly, acknowledging belief in Christ. Again, verse 38, the man says, I believe. I believe. You know that true belief in the Lord Jesus Christ will acknowledge that belief? to God, to the Savior, and to others, I believe. We once asked neighbors, I had an indicator, an idea that, that our neighbors knew the Lord, and, and I said to the couple, I said, are you followers of Christ? And the wife said, I am. I thought that was interesting. So he's not. I am, she said. And I learned pretty quickly that he wasn't. I believe. If someone says, do you know Christ? Do you say, I know Christ. I believe. This man did. Lord, I believe. True belief will acknowledge that belief to the Savior 
to the Lord God and will acknowledge that belief to others. And then a fourth indicator of spiritual sight, of truly believing, fourth, you worship Christ. You worship. Still in verse 38, he worshiped him. Lord, I believe. And it says he worshiped him. That's clearly seeing. That's genuinely believing. Genuine faith in Christ should always lead to joyful overflow of the heart, which is worship. I hope that when you gather on the Lord's Day, that you, that you worship from the bottom of your heart. And I often try to remind you that the, the, whole, the whole hour, we, have, we usually have about an hour here together, beginning at 11 o'clock, and really the whole hour should be worship. Not just the singing, not just the giving, not just the preaching, not just the prayer, and this, mor- this morning not just communion, but all of it. And that all of that worship would tune your heart to worship God with your whole life throughout the week. True, genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will overflow from your life in the, in the act of praise and worship. I was doing business nearby this week and chatting with the cashier. We were talking about the weather, of course. That's what you talk to. You, you talk to the cashier about the weather, right? And I said, for the last few weeks, every time it's rained, I've said, thank you, Lord, for the rain. And she kind of looked at me funny. It just slipped out. It's the way it should be. Thank you, Lord, that you praise God with your life. I don't always get that right. I'm sure you don't always get that right. But we need to, we need to be able to overflow with the love of Christ flowing from our hearts, from our minds. Worship should, should be natural to us. As we come to this place and sing and praise and open God's Word, we should, it should be a joyful opportunity for us, a joyful activity I trust you leave refreshed. I hope you leave refreshed and joyful and thankful that you've been able to worship God together and realize that God is tuning your heart to worship Him throughout the week with our worship. Because this fourth indicator of spiritual sight seen in this man with sight is truly believing you worship Christ. That's clearly seeing. That's genuinely believing Genuine faith in Christ should always lead to worship. Words of praise, words of thanks to God should lead to a joyful life. It doesn't mean you have an absence of problems and challenges and difficulties, but you should, from your life, you should have an overflow of joy because you're worshiping God for who He is, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation that He's given you because your faith is in Him. So let me just recap that. Here's what genuinely believing in Jesus looks like. Here's what true faith in Christ should look like in our lives if we're, if we're to say, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm a believer. You desire to know the truth about Jesus. You have a recognition of Jesus as the Christ, the Savior. You acknowledge that you believe in Jesus Christ and you worship Christ. Is that you?
Is that you? When you look at your life, do you see that kind of faith? Is that what you see? May it be true of us that this kind of faith be true of us as God's church, God's people. That we desire to know the truth about Jesus, that we recognize Jesus as the Christ, the Savior, that we acknowledge that we believe in Jesus Christ and that we joyfully worship Jesus Christ. Now what happens next? Well, what happens next is, in fact, Bible scholars believe what happens next happens a little later. It doesn't happen immediately. In the text, you would think that this is an ongoing conversation, but Bible scholars think this actually comes a little bit later, so there's, there's probably a gap of time here between verse 38 and 39. Look at verse 39. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Now you can see how this flows from the experience, the, the exchange, this whole, all of chapter 9, we're talking about the man who was born blind, and the gift of physical sight that Jesus gave him, but also, in verse 38, the gift of spiritual sight, which the Lord gave this man. And in verse 39, Jesus is not talking about physical sight. He's talking about spiritual sight. And when you read verse 39, you might think back to when we heard Jesus earlier say, all the way back to chapter 3, John 3 and verse 17, that he had not come to condemn the world. Now it's true, because you look at verse 39, for Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world. But back in verse 17 of chapter 3, he says he had not come to condemn the world. Now, it's true that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. What, what, why did Jesus come? He came to be a sacrifice for sinners. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to be the Lamb of God. Jesus came to be the acceptable sacrifice, the one and only. But it's also true that Jesus comes and brings with him judgment. How's that? Look at verse 39 again. Jesus says that those who do not see, that is, those who are realizing they're sinners, those whom God is drawing to himself and opening their spiritual eyes, that is, those who are realizing they're sinners, Jesus came that they may see and have the light of life that they may see Jesus as their only hope, that they may believe in Jesus and be saved, forgiven their sins, believing in the Savior. And Jesus says, those who see, that is, those who think they see, those who think they have everything all figured out, does this sound like the Pharisees 
You know, it goes even further than the Pharisees. It's generally all mankind. And that's who Jesus is talking about, those who think they see. Those who think they have everything all figured out. And they don't need anybody to tell them what to believe. Don't tell me I'm a sinner. I'm not as bad as my neighbor. Jesus came. That those who reject Jesus, Jesus came that those who reject him may become blind. That is, that as they reject the truth, as they reject the Lord Jesus Christ, they remain blinded by the darkness of sin, blinded from believing the truth. And that's just what we see happening next. The Pharisees hear what Jesus says, and they speak up. Seems like the Pharisees are always nearby. This is where we see the opposite of the life giving sight to the man born blind received as he was given spiritual sight and believed in Jesus as the Christ and and what? He he worshipped him. Here's, Here's where seeing isn't believing. Verse 40. Look at verse 40. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? You can almost hear some disgust. Are we also blind? Is that what you're calling us? Now, after their earlier confrontations with Jesus, they, they probably expected him to say something like, huh, yes, you are blind. But what he said was far more profound and, and revealed just how darkened by sin they truly were. Look at the rest Now look at verse 41, the first part of verse 41. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. The implication is, you know you're guilty of sin. If you were blind, says Jesus, if you really didn't know anything about your own sin, if you really didn't have any any knowledge, any head knowledge about the truth, then you wouldn't be guilty of sin. But but they weren't without guilt. In fact, the same kind of truth is what Paul points to in the first three chapters of Romans, that no one is without guilt. So when he gets to Romans 3.23 and Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we, we learn that there's plenty of evidence that we are all sinners, that we are all guilty, and there's plenty of guilt to go around. And so Jesus says in the last half of verse 41, look at it, but now that you say we see, your guilt remains. In other words, now that you're know-it-alls, now that you reject the truth that I proclaim, And now that you proclaim to know and obey the truth, when in fact you don't and you refuse to be corrected by the truth, now you remain condemned in your sin. These Pharisees knew they were sinners. They heard the truth that Jesus proclaimed. They had physical evidence 
in the man who had been born blind and given his sight that Jesus is God in the flesh. They saw it. And they refused to believe it. Seeing was not believing. Seeing isn't always believing, is it? You may know people like this. Maybe you were a person like this at one point. Seeing wasn't believing for these Pharisees. You know, it's possible that's true in your case today. That seeing isn't believing. Maybe you've heard a lot of sermons. Maybe you've read some of the Bible for yourself. Maybe you've seen people who are believers in Jesus truly change. But the difference between seeing and believing is the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. You may know all you need to know and still not believe. That was the Pharisees. They, they had all the evidence. And yet they refused to believe. Don't let that be you. Think of the gifts that God is giving you to hear the truth proclaimed from the Scriptures. Don't reject the truth. Don't see it and disbelieve. See and believe. It's one thing to have head knowledge. We've seen it here in the Word this morning. It's one thing to have head knowledge to know the facts. It's one thing to see reality. But head knowledge doesn't save. Only the heart that sees and believes and is forgiven is saved. Only the one who truly repents of their sin, turns to Christ in faith, and believes in Jesus, is the one who's saved and cleansed and made new. What a contrast we see here between genuine belief and merely seeing. The man born blind said, Who is he? He wanted to know, Who is he? The Pharisees argued, He is not. He's not who he says he is. The man born blind said, I, I believe. They said, We do not. He worshiped. But they would not. And he was saved. And they were not. What was the difference? What's the difference between seeing and believing? I think we can see it in a couple of passages. It's the difference between John 8.12 and John 3.18. John 8.12, we see it. Seeing is believing. In John 8.12, Jesus said... I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me, whoever believes in me. You don't believe in you don't you don't follow Jesus if you don't believe in him. Whoever follows me, whoever believes in me, the light of the world. You you follow Christ? 
You believe in him, you will not walk in darkness. You will have the light of life. In this case, seeing is believing. In John 3.18, the first part is seeing and believing, but the second half of the verse is seeing and not believing. John 3.18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Praise God, that's seeing and believing. The one who believes is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. That's seeing the truth and refusing to believe it. Are you seeing and believing in Jesus today? Or are you seeing the evidence for who he is and refusing to believe? Or would you say you're a believer and yet you still choose at times to do your own thing? You still choose at times to disobey God's word? There's a reminder here that we all need to see who Jesus is all the time. Clearly see who Jesus is, keep believing, and obey him. If you've trusted in Christ, you need a reminder today of who Jesus is and that you should keep your eyes fixed on him and what he's finished for you on the cross, what he's made possible for you by sending the Holy Spirit to indwell you. Take up the word and strive to obey Christ. Incredibly, there were two miracles for the man born blind. We often think, well, yes, of course, the the miracle of sight. Yes, he received his physical sight, but even greater than that. And we don't often think of it that way, but we need to realize that there was a greater miracle. He was given his spiritual sight. He was given the light of life. He was saved from his sins. May that be each of us. May that be what challenges us as a church to live for Christ, that we might spread the gospel to more people who would see who Jesus is, put their faith and trust in him, believing, so that seeing would be believing for them.